Welcome to the Book of Acts and we are going through one book of the Bible at a time. We started off in the Gospel of John a couple of years ago and now we are in the Book of Acts. Today we look at Acts chapter 1 verses 12 to 14, the beginning of the story about Matthias being chosen to replace Judas. And Judas, as we know, betrayed Jesus. And so it's quite a big decision to replace one of the 12, those that Jesus chose to surround him in his ministry years, his three years, three and a bit years of ministry on earth. One of them betrayed him. And now a chance to replace that person. So let's read it out. Then they returned to Jerusalem. So this is just after Jesus had ascended. He had promised them the Holy Spirit. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount called Olivet, the Mount of Olives, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon, the zealot and Judas the son of James. All of these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the woman and Mary the mother of Jesus and his brothers. So Previously, we had this misunderstanding with the disciples because they had expected a political, uh, temporal, uh, man-made Messiah just for their local needs, whereas Jesus was a Messiah for the whole world. He came to bring salvation to all. He came to defeat sin, the devil, and death. And so Jesus now spoke to them and told them I'm, I'm ascending to the father i'm going back to heaven where i came from and i'm going to leave you with the holy spirit the promised holy spirit so how do you move on from that conversation what do you do what do the disciples do well jesus had said to them in in the previous section so verses 6 to 11 that they should remain in jerusalem and that from Jerusalem he would send them to Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth but he said to them do not depart from Jerusalem but wait for the promise of my father so they make the short journey back to Jerusalem a Sabbath day journey so just very close by basically and this was clearly in obedience to Jesus they had started to obey now Jesus said, wait for the Holy Spirit. So they waited in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit. So that they would receive this Holy Spirit promised. And that they would then from there go on to the ends of the earth in obedience once again to Jesus' commands. So it's a very strange place to start. This was where Jesus was crucified. This is where all their enemies were concentrated, if you like. This is where the greatest opposition to the church would come from in Jerusalem. But Jesus says to them, go back to Jerusalem, go back to Jerusalem, wait there for the promise of the father. So practically 
it's not the best starting point but as we shall learn by looking at the life of Jesus and the disciples obedience is way better than sacrifice obeying what what he's asked us to do hearing from him obeying is better than trying our best at something that looks like sacrifice but is actually disobedience so obeying is better than looking good or taking our own initiative or taking our own advice even listening to jesus is a key requirement for christian leaders can you listen to jesus if you can't follow jesus who are you following only leaders who follow christ are worth following so verse 13 where do they go to they went to what was called the upper room and who was there there's a long list of names there the disciples peter and john james and andrew philip and thomas who we notice will never be left out again after what happened in john chapter 20 james son of alpheus simon the zealot judas son of james and the woman these were a group of ladies who used to serve the ministry of jesus used to follow alongside him providing for him and they are there still mary the mother of jesus and the brothers of jesus so jesus family is now in on this ministry as jesus goes previously we read in the earlier in the gospel accounts how they were a bit skeptical they, they didn't really sign up to jesus they were a bit doubtful you know, he's just our brother he's just one of us but now they've seen who he really is they saw him on the cross they saw his ascension and they are now fully in and believing that jesus is the messiah <clears throat> so after three years the disciples were all in but also his family he started his ministry at home essentially with his mother his brothers and we often need to start where we are just where you are before we start thinking about being called to the other side of the world or some amazing ministry just where you are just think of that place tell your own household about the gospel the good news about jesus about forgiveness that sin can be forgiven that repentance works that they can encounter the living god they know you your family knows you really well they will see the truth in the gospel as you live it out before them so start at home this tight-knit group stuck together they had each other now they'd been through an incredible trial an incredible disappointment and then incredible joy to have jesus back and then now he's off again and his holy spirit is coming so they'd been through all this together this the shared experience they were witnesses to the life and ministry of jesus so they only had each other now and they had the whole world it seems against them they jesus had just been crucified and now they're going to stand up and say jesus the good news <clears throat> so they jealously guarded and pursued team they stuck together they invested in one another they stayed together they hung out together they prayed together and they had each walked with jesus in his earthly ministry they'd seen him healing they'd seen how he acted in front of the pharisees and those who opposed they'd seen him on the cross 
And most importantly in this group, we see the disciples, but we also see the, the, the ladies, the women. And Jesus had a very high regard for women in his ministry, standing up for them, making sure they weren't excluded, welcoming them in, making sure that they felt welcomed. Jesus included people. Society thought very little of women. Jesus went in the other direction and brought the woman right in. And they formed part of that initial team. Jesus appeared to Mary first to honor her at the resurrection. He stood up for Jesus and his, for woman in, in his ministry. We, we see so many stories of him reaching out to woman, healing woman, defending woman. The culture then had very different values to what we have now. But Jesus stood up for woman. He didn't follow the culture and the values. He embedded something different within his disciples. And it's a welcome sign to see that they still live that out, even though he's gone. And there's a very strong sense of togetherness, as I've said in this group, not only because of the persecution that they faced together, but also because of the journey that they've been on, the shared experiences. But most of all, they're all connected to each other in Christ. That is the defining fact. It's not their, their, their race, their, their, um, their, how much money they have, their class, where they're from. The one defining factor in all of these people is they've encountered Jesus. They've been left changed by being around Jesus. He is the glue that binds them. How is your church? How is your community? How is it defined? Is it, what, what, what is the defining quality? What, what is the noticeable commonality? Is it your relationship with Christ or is it your skin color or where you're from or something else less important, your culture? Be like the early church. The common, the common uniting theme was they knew Christ. Christ had worked in their hearts and brought them together. And so that's how Simon the Zealot could sit next to Matthew the tax collector. And very, very different disciples could, could work together for the gospel. So make sure that you unite around the great and glorious gospel and Christ who is himself the gospel. Let that be the defining taste and flavor and sense of your gathered times that Jesus is amongst us. Jesus is who we're about. So what did they do? What did these disciples do? Jesus has now left. They've obeyed him going back to Jerusalem. They're meeting in the upper room. But what did they actually do? What was of first importance to the early church? So verse 14, all these, so everyone involved, all the disciples, all the women, with one accord devoted themselves to prayer. Everyone is praying. And they devoted themselves. That's quite a strong word, devote themselves. They devoted themselves to prayer. They were with one accord devoting themselves to prayer. So it wasn't just a one-off, okay, we'll do it. It's got a you know, high priority now, but it'll fade away. No, no, it's, they devote, they, they were devoting themselves to prayer. Everyone is praying, not just the woman, not just the disciples. Everyone is included, including the woman. Often prayer is seen as a side ministry, a side thing, a little spare tire, if you like. 
that we might call upon if there's an emergency there's a there's there's some something some something of importance so then we go to prayer often it can be seen as a woman's ministry okay that where the prayer warriors okay let's get the ladies praying or it's to be led by the woman as the men are doing the more important stuff of preaching and leading so when we do that what we're saying is prayer is not important it's it's just for the woman that's that's what we're in effect saying praise god for the woman who have led and have stepped up because the men have not been there praise god for that but where are the men where are the men where are the praying men like we see in the early church the disciples leading in prayer devoted to prayer we all want to lead we all want to preach how about we all want to pray and be devoted to prayer together in our churches how about that how about we lead in prayer men where are you so we are we are good at maybe casting a five-year vision and the values of our churches and but how about we start praying together get into the presence of God how did they pray how did they pray with one accord devoted together there's just a sense that there was such a a powerful togetherness almost created and sustained by prayer there's a sense that corporate prayer times of corporate prayer were the engine room of the early church they weren't something that were that was on the side a bit like how we structure our churches where there's a prayer meeting off on the side or there's this off on the side and it's once a month or a season of prayer prayer was the beating heart of the early church they constantly persevered there was persevering prayer and maybe it's because what jesus said to them jesus had said to them wait for the promise of the holy spirit John baptized with water you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now and there's this this expectancy there's this this longing for this promised one this if you like the one who's going to replace Jesus in their hearts and so there was this leaning into the promises of God the promise of the Father and maybe that's how we need to think about praying rather than having long lists of this and that and um, praying for the world and how about we look at what God has promised us and dig deep into that Lord you've said without Jesus present they could only do one thing they could ask for him ask in prayer for those things that he had told them about so the first act if you like the first act in the book of the Acts of the Apostles was corporate prayer united persevering prayer before they got busy with church planting with preaching with traveling and all sorts of things raising up leaders they were devoted in prayer it became the defining feature the rhythm the atmosphere of the early church and maybe of its success and its power prayer in and of itself is 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 not powerful prayer is just talking to God the power is the one who's hearing our prayers the one who we're engaged with when we come together in prayer when we're talking to our Heavenly Father if your prayer meetings in your church or your times of prayer are dry and lifeless boring full of endless repetition or reciting endless points 
lists of requests poorly led no wonder no one wants to pray these people prayed for the promise of the father and probably many other promises they grabbed hold of everything that God had said and they prayed that's what we see with in the Old Testament as well with Daniel looking at the prophecy from Jeremiah Lord you said so this was how they prayed it was a great privilege and a priority for the early church and why did the early church grow so fast why were they so urgent in evangelism why were they so urgent in raising up leaders and planting new congregations maybe it's because they were before God in prayer and they were actually hearing and being directed from heaven in those times of prayer so probably God was amongst them and they were encountering God in their times of prayer daily they were devoted in this time of corporate prayer they waited for the Spirit as they waited they prayed often we can think in the seasons of, of church life well we don't know what we're going to do next we've done that season we've done that we've done outreach what do we do next well the waiting for the for the for the early Apostles was prayer and they just carried on they didn't stop <laughs> they just carried on praying and then the Spirit fell upon them we'll get to that in a few chapters time and this is the start of the early church the birthday of the early church is when the Spirit came and they were they were praying at that moment they were all praying meeting together and praying and we see also how Jesus when he was when he was water baptized by John he was praying and the Holy Spirit came upon him and so we see just how God works that when we in when we're in touch with him when we're talking to him when we're leaning on him when we're hearing from him together the church begins to move forward so who knows but that God won't turn up in our meetings in our lives in our homes in our churches if we started to call on him together as the gathered church who knows what will happen to your church when you start praying together coming into the presence of God doing away with maybe your the boring prayer meetings of the past and just coming into the presence of God if prayer was such a priority in the early church who are we to change that priority and put it on the, on the edge of church life why are we doing things differently yet expecting the exact same progress and power and gospel advance we may say well God promised this and that and he promised us the Holy Spirit he promised us you know the ends of the earth promised all all these things that Christ will build the church therefore we just you know we sit back we don't need to do anything rather I feel it's the opposite that because Jesus has promised these things that we need to go and ask God you've promised therefore would you do so the opposite is true prayer and the promises of God feed off one another the promises of God don't make a relaxed casual and comfortable church they make for a dynamic leaning in church that wants to see God's purposes praying fervently happens precisely because of the promises of God the promises of God don't dull down our prayer meetings and I'd encourage you if your church prayer meetings have just gone dead they've gone quiet no one's coming tune into the Bible open the Bible open the pages of the Bible look at the promises of God and begin to pray them out and see your church prayer meetings and your times of prayer fill up 
with vibrant activity, with hearing from God, praying over one another, and just watch your churches grow and your evangelism become natural and your giving and your unity. When God intends mercy for his people, he sets them praying. That's what Matthew Henry, the great Bible commentator said. When God has got plans for his church, he sets them praying. He gets them on their knees. So is your church united or is it divided and split and this, these guys want that and these different committees? Consider calling your church to prayer. Maybe a season of prayer, of sustained corporate focused prayer, looking at the promises of God like the early church. So Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you for the promise of the Father. We thank you for the priority that the early church had of prayer. We just thank you that we can come to you any time. We can come into the throne room of grace. And I just pray for any church leader listening, any individual listening, would you bring them back to a place of dependence on you in prayer. And I just pray that you would create a culture of prayer where they are. In Jesus' name, amen.